What's up, boss? My wife is off today. She was downstairs discipling a friend, and oh. they made a little charcuterie board, and there was some leftovers. Oh. So I've got some. Wow. I've got some afternoon charcuterie next to me. That's great. Shaved meats and cheeses. Yes, and in this case, also blueberries. Oh, that's good. I like it when there's a couple of uh, seasonal fruits on the charcuterie board. I don't know if blueberries are in season or if these came from Chile, but well, we're here. at the end of the summer season. It's still warm in some places. Yeah. How about you? Our friend. I was at our friend Tim Schmoyer's house for a um, Sabbath all comers evening uh, this past Friday night, and he he's a He's a bold guy. He's, he tries a lot of things out. He's happy to experiment. And they've got a whole row of blueberry bushes they're planting. And I like that idea. Um, if the deer didn't come, we've tried that before at my house. And you have to guard them with your life or the deer just eat them down to the ground. But uh, having your own, having one's own blueberry bush would be great. Uh, today's news that I wanted to just throw by everybody is we're recording this the day that our big announcement went live and, uh, we're so encouraged and flattered and buoyed and, uh, emboldened by the response of our people and people are donating and, uh, I'm, uh, I'm very excited. Yeah, it's uh it's awesome to see the the response. We've had some people that have just said, "Let me rip you off a little check." We've seen some people that have signed up for a recurring donation. So, mm -hmm. that's pretty cool. I'm excited because one of the things you and I talked about this morning when we got our first donation other than other than the ones that came from us, even those who don't donate, they're going to benefit from those who do. It's like uh, yes. communism. Yeah. <laughs> this very day, um, yay, verily, that uh, episode went live this morning. We got a couple of donations in, and I thought, okay, we can go ahead with today's plan, which was uh, we did an Abrahamic tent tour of a friend Justin Wolfenberg's house. And you know what we did? Something we never done before. Camera crew got somebody, not me, shooting the video. And uh anyways, it's it's exciting. We're gonna we're we're turning it all up a notch. I'm happy to report. And if you're if you if you feel late to the to the party, Abrahamswallet.com slash donate. It's still sitting there. I think it'll be sitting there indefinitely. And there it is. And come, come on. There's some treats for different different donation levels. Uh, some places where we would like to say thank you. And I don't know if we intimated this on on our initial announcement episode, but love there, using that word. There might be some thank yous that people aren't expecting. This isn't a transactional relationship that we're entering into. We want to just love people um, in unexpected ways. So yeah. Donors, might we send you a piece of taffy? We might might send you a piece of taffy. Yeah, that kind that they stretch at the Texas State Fair on the machine. Love it. Yeah, I I mean, 
we might have to go to the Texas State Fair to get the saltwater taffy. Yeah. We might have an Abrahamic meetup at the Texas State Fair. I can promise you that we won't spend your donations on sending no. Stephen to the, uh, the the Texas State Fair. So <laughs> just so that we could do like a an episode uh, live, um, yeah, on on site. Yeah, we're not going to do that. Anyways, I'm excited. Go uh, go support if you feel moved to do so, and enjoy the uh, generosity of others if you don't. Yeah, right. So walk us into today's topic. Today, we're going to cover business entities. And before you hang up the phone and say, I don't have a business, so see you later, turds. I'm going to try to approach this not only from if you're a full-time landscaper and need to know what the right type of business for your your day job is. You might have a business selling uh beanie babies on ebay oh oh uh, did you know i'm i'm scheduled to inherit a beanie baby fortune when one of my parents passes away um <laughs> no yeah i do tell i think do it might be more. worth all of like 50 bucks by by that please time. but t- t- th- i'm gonna assume this would be your mother correct and where does she presently keep her beanie baby cash? I think in a box in the attic. I don't know. They ha- and she bought them thinking they were an investment? Oh, yes. And has she put a dollar figure against them at some point? Does she treat them like a baseball card collection and say, I think this week they're worth $384? Well, I think at one time they were worth thousands upon thousands. And at yeah, this point in that time, week, that they, one week, they might be worth a nice dinner. Now I don't know. I think Beanie Babies have fallen out of favor, much like uh, most cryptocurrencies. But we we won't talk about that. Um, so, is there a forum for buying and selling Beanie Babies anymore? <laughs> I where don't where would you do that? I would I don't assume, think that. So one of my friends said his his daughter got a Beanie Baby from a teacher, and out of curiosity, he looked on eBay to see how much it was worth and it was worth like a hundred dollars, but no, he said too much trouble and let her play with it anyways. So I'll be darn. We can do a whole episode, Steven on beanie babies. That was not my intent was to derail us. Well, I'm fascinated. I did not know that factoid about your future. Yep. Um, <laughs> but my goal is that whether this is talking about side hustle, maybe you own a rental house and you have received the advice that you should put that rental house in an LLC. So we'll talk about stuff like that. Uh, these aren't just for full-time entrepreneurs. So right. Um, let's let's launch into it, Steve. Okay. What do we need to know? Well, there's a few options when it comes to the type of business entity you're going to use. And option number one, you might even say the default option, if you choose nothing, is called a sole proprietorship. Um, So what this is, it's one person. So you can't do this if you've got business partners. Simple, low slash no cost option. There's no separate legal entity created. So you might have heard that the Supreme Court has decided that businesses are persons, but sole proprietorships are not. Not a separate legal entity. Um, unlimited they are liability. The person. Wait, sorry, what was that? 
they are the person. If you're the sole proprietorship, you are the business. That's, That's the right. Thing. Um, you have unlimited liability with this. So if you open up a sole proprietorship, uh, refining uranium in your basement and you blow up all of Detroit, then that's on you. Your business entity does not offer any protection. Um, Very important thing to note. Pass through income. So we're going to talk about that today a little bit, but pass through income means the money that this thing makes passes right through to you on your own personal tax return. This thing doesn't have the ability to make its own money and hold it and then wait and distribute it to you later. It's pass-through income. Um, here's an important one, no transfer of ownership. So you can't pass your sole proprietorship on down to your kids. Very important. Generally, you're not getting a business loan for a sole proprietorship. Banks don't want to lend to this non-entity. Um, and like I said, you report income on your, your personal tax return and you don't have to file a business tax return, which uh, doesn't necessarily, don't confuse that with pass-through income because some of the other stuff we talk about, you, you do have to file a, a tax return for the business, but it's still pass-through income. But for a sole proprietorship, you don't even have to file a tax return. You can report it on your own tax return. Um, so could I set up a business, which is, uh, Steve's lawn mowing. I don't have to like file with the state. I, I could just declare that that's my business and just, I'm, it's operating as me. It's sole proprietorship. That's a great question. So let's say you want to start a sole proprietorship. I'm going to tell you right now what the steps are. Um, step hmm. number one, choose a business name. You don't have Steve's to. Steve's Lawn Mowing Steve's Service. Steve's Lawn Mowing. Um, lawn, the Lawn Wranglers. You know, this is going to be a sidebar, but if anybody out there is willing to start a landscaping company and call it the Lawn Wranglers in tribute to one of you and I's favorite films ever, Bottle Rocket, Yeah, I want to invest in that startup. So <laughs> I'm not saying that I've got big bucks to throw around, but... I'd like to own about 1%. Uh, if it's a sole proprietor, I won't be able to, but I might just give you some money to start the Lawn Wranglers. I met a guy when I coached third grade basketball, girls basketball. This girl was on my team. I met her dad. He started telling us, or we got the team together for a little dinner one time. He started telling us he was part of an investment group that owned a race horse. We're here near Kentucky in horse racing country. Oh, really? Well, that's very interesting. I, that's different to my world. The name of the horse was Bottle Rocket. And I thought, oh, that's interesting. And they told me the name of the investment group was the Lawn Wranglers. And I was like, wait a second. What is going on here? And he's like, yeah, we are all just big fans of Bottle Rocket. And I thought that that's incredible. That makes me so happy. Yes. There there was about a four-week period in college when that movie played on repeat 24 hours a day in my dorm room. I think there was a year in which that played on repeat in uh, Mark Douglas's place. What a great film. Um, <laughs> that's the type of thing. That's some bonus content idea for Abraham's Wallet is that we do a live watch party of bottle rocket with our with our crew um, or we take people on a tour around west texas west comma texas west is the name of the town and see the sights from the movie bottle rocket 
Man, you'd have to donate some serious dough to get into that to that tour. Exciting, exciting. Um, so sorry. In Ohio, here's the requirements: you need a business name for your sole proprietorship. You have to file called a fictitious business name with the Secretary of State. That's confusing. It sounds like you're lying to them and telling them a fake name. That's not true. It just means you file your your doing business as name with the state. It can be the same as your official business name or it can be different. So Steve's Landscaping could be doing business as the Lawn Wranglers, but reporting on the taxes income from Steve's Landscaping. Okay. Um, if Dumb. there's licenses, you have to obtain them. So this doesn't exempt you from if you're opening a dental practice, you don't get to, to skip all the licensing because we've got a business entity now. And... In Ohio, if you have employees, you have to obtain an employee identification, employer identification number, an EIN with the IRS. So um, in some states, the requirements are you don't have to do anything. Uh, so you have to look that up for your state. Uh, but this is the right choice. Let's say that you are going to run an eBay business. I think we've... We've gotten stuck on this Beanie Baby idea, but if that was you, you uh, you could just operate as a sole proprietorship. And if you're in one of those states where you don't have to do anything, then if you make a thousand dollars, you report that on your personal tax return on Schedule C. Say Steve's Beanie Babies, thousand dollars of profit, and that's it. Um, so pretty limited liability when we talk about selling stuff on eBay or running a lemonade stand that actually might have some liability. I don't know. Lemonade stands, but, uh, yeah. Anyways, that's kind of the, the lowest friction option is a sole proprietorship for most serious businesses. That's not the right move mainly because of that unlimited liability thing. Um, but also because it's only allowed to have one person and you can't sell the business. You can't transfer ownership. Yeah. Any questions on sole proprietorship, Stephen? No, it sounds it sounds rather limited. It sounds like uh, what you do when you're not taking it totally seriously, don't really plan to do too much with it. Mm -hmm. Limited ambitions, unlimited liability. Uh, yeah, <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Um, option number two is a partnership and I'm going to skim the surface of partnerships because we could go okay. for two hours on all the types of partnerships No, but a general partnership is a partnership in which all parties are owner operators. Um, rights and duties are typically proportional to ownership. So if we started a general partnership, you and me, and let's say we wanted to own and operate, uh, a construction company we All would right. have, and it was 60, 40, you own 60%. I own 40. Well, you would have 60% of the rights to the business and 60% of obligations to that company's debt. Uh, and we would both run the company together. Something you see a little bit more frequently is a limited partnership which generally consists of one general partner who has unlimited liability. I should have said that in that general partnership, everybody shares liability and there's not protection for the general partners. In a limited partnership, there's a general partner who has all the liability and who manages the business. 
and one or more limited partners who basically behave as silent investors. So you might have heard of real estate syndicates where somebody gets a, a development project and they raise money for it and they operate a group of investors to make a real estate development or redevelopment happen. Um, you could sign up for one of those as a limited partner and you don't have any liability for that project. The general partner has the liability. You also don't get to make any decisions. The general partner gets to make the decisions, but you're an investor and you're entitled to returns based on the terms of the partnership. So that's All a right. limited partnership. Right. Um, general partnership, I the important stuff is two or more owners. It dissolves when an owner dies or withdraws. Um, it's taxed like a sole proprietorship. So there's no liability protection. Um, why would you do this? It's really simple uh, as a way to set up a business for multiple owners. So remember, you can't do that with a sole proprietorship. Um, other than that, it's almost never the right choice for yeah. most businesses. Just to, to recap, a limited partnership, more than one owner, one or more general partners, one or more limited partners. Um, how would you do this? You have to register in your state, pay a filing fee, and create a limited partnership agreement, which defines how much ownership each limited partner is going to have in the company and whatever other terms of the partnership you want. Um, who would use this? I kind of mentioned one use case, but limited partnerships are often used in family estate planning and as investment vehicles, particularly, like I said, in commercial real estate. And Stephen, I, I didn't prep you for this, but um, they're also used in another industry where sometimes people want to raise a lot of money for a big project that's going to make a ton of money, they tell you. And sometimes that project doesn't make a ton of money. Sometimes it's poorly reviewed by critics and it doesn't make any money. Uh, do you, have you ever experienced a limited partnership in that setting? Probably, yes. Is it in movie making? It's in the film industry. So uh -huh. I, I don't know how much you want to dive into your experience in funding the film industry, but I know you've, uh, we, we talked about how to take a loss a few weeks ago. <laughs> you've, uh, I've lost the money in a variety of ways. Uh, the future belongs to the bold, uh, is what, uh, is what Ronald Reagan told us. And, uh, you know, you send your money out in portions of seven, maybe even eight. And who knows which will come back? I know which ones have not come back. And, um, investing in movies has not been great. Although I have creative friends. It wasn't the worst investment you ever made. No, it wasn't the worst investment I ever made. Okay. We won't, we won't name that here on the podcast, but <laughs> thankfully you've made more than you've lost over time. Uh, uh -huh. but yeah, that's true. When, uh, when you're using a limited partnership for raising investments, the limited partners are kind of like stockholders investing in a public company. So they can only lose what they've invested. That's not true, remember, of the general partners. They have unlimited... Unlimited liability. Um, they're considered passive investors because they contribute money to the partnership. This is the limited partners, but they don't have any control over decisions. So this is a, not a good way to invest in a business that you want to actually help run. Um, one note, Stephen, you actually could teach this. Uh, because you have passed the Series 65 exam, but 
If you're using a limited partnership to raise investments, which is really the only reason you would use a limited partnership, those investments are considered securities. And you have to follow all securities regulations when you're soliciting investors. So be careful. This isn't something you just plunge into and ask a bunch of your friends to give you 50 grand. Uh, that can get you into trouble. So those are general and limited partnerships. Let's move on to now we, we're in the, the territory of the double L's. Do you know what? Well, those usually, usually aren't, uh, usually aren't the right decisions. As you say, those it's pretty, it's pretty, uh, specific when you get into these kind of partnerships or do you want me to tell you what LL means? Well, it's usually not the right deal, but there's times when it's exactly the right deal, which because it's so specific. Yeah. I mean, Real estate investing is is probably the most common place people will run across this. And some people do great. I'm thinking, I'm not going to out them, but I'm thinking of particular listeners to our podcast who this is a big, big area for them of, of their their life is investing oh. in real estate syndicates or even running real estate syndicates. Oh. So they would use that structure all the time. So I don't want to say it's a bad structure. It's just particular. I had a question about what you said, which is why would you use that structure for a, a family trust if you can't pass it down? Um, what do you mean? I think you're confusing, um, you're, you're confusing limited partnership and general partnership maybe. Yes. Okay. Uh, which one can, which one can outlive you? So, a limited partnership also generally dissolves. Um, we're getting into the weeds there on kind of how to use limited partnership in estate planning vehicles. I'm not going to dive into that. That's all right. If you have $24 million or more and want to talk nerdy estate planning stuff, then you've graduated from the Abraham's Wallet podcast. And we'd like to see you over at Outpost Advisors where we can. Fair enough explain the the details of that but that's going to be proceed a, that's going to be a diversion that nobody wants that's to a take. 201 course gotcha yeah um so limited or sorry i'm giving away my answers llp what do you think llp stands for i think it stands for limited liability um porcupine yeah i think it's porcupine is that right you know what it stands for steven um Partnership? Yes. So LLP, you might have seen this on the placard of a law firm. Uh, what this is, it's multiple people who want to all share ownership and management, and they do get liability protections from their partners, but not from themselves. So medical and legal practices, engineering firms, this is good for a biz that's going to take on new partners regularly because it's got a lot less paperwork than LLCs and corporations um, in terms of adding a new partner. Because when you add a partner to an LLP, you still can get sued if you screw up. So if you're in an engineering firm and you design a skyscraper that falls over and everybody inside gets squished, that's on you. Your LLP is not going to protect you. But it is going to protect all your partners from your dim-witted engineering mechanisms. Um, <laughs> so okay, um, 
stuff that, yeah, like I said, less paperwork. When you have an LLC, which we'll talk about next, uh, you have to rewrite the agreement anytime you're adding an, a partner. That can get annoying. So medical practices that are constantly adding a new doc might use an LLP. Um, the negatives here, you because of all this liability that you have, it can get pricey to carry malpractice or E&O, errors and omissions insurance. Um, so you have to kind of protect yourself with insurance uh, for most of the types of jobs that use this business structure. Mm-hmm. So this is the point in the podcast where I'm going to ask you if you would like to form an LLP to um, operate the Lawn Wranglers doing business as Steve's Landscaping. No. Okay. I'm passing on it. Next business entity type is LLC. Limited liability company. Company. That's right. Um, a company. Now you got yourself a company. There was just there was just a soul and then there was partnership. And now there's a company, a whole company. And this is why I wanted to stop here and take a couple hours to describe God's plan for the family. Um, it starts with just one soul. <laughs> And then there becomes a partnership, and eventually you have company in your house. You have billions of people covering the earth. Yeah. Um, so what's cool about an LLC? No, there can be unlimited members. So people or businesses can own this thing. Um, personal assets are protected from creditors of the business. Oh. So that means if you have an LLC and... You screw something up in the business, the theoretically, <laughs> you cannot have your personal assets uh, gone after by the creditors of the business or by people who would have claims against the business. I'm not going to go into it, but that can be that's a whole area where lawyer, lawyers get paid a lot is trying to what they call pierce the corporate veil and actually come after personal assets of people who own entities. Um, oh. the way that happens is if they can prove that you actually mingle personal and business stuff, things like that. Um, so this is probably the most common choice for businesses is an LLC. It's a common way that people hold, for example, real estate. They create an LLC to hold their real estate because they want that liability protection. Um, our business, Outpost Advisors, is an LLC. The, the negatives of an LLC, we already kind of talked about. If you have a high turnover in owners, it's a pain to always be amending your operating agreement and your your refile your LLC with the state, things like that. You and I have been through that when we've changed kind of ownership structure in our business. Um, but how do you do it? Um, you have to choose a name again. You have to choose a registered agent. Now, normally that's going to be somebody that's operating the business, but not always. Once in a while, you'll have a registered agent that if you're filing an LLC in another state that lives in that state, there's people who can be your registered agent for pay. So um, that kind of depends on the specifics. But for most people, it's uh, here's our name. I'm the agent. Then you file articles of organization. So this is something we haven't covered, but you have to actually present when you file with the state, you need to present the articles of organization. This is how we're set up and how we're going to operate. Um, get the employee ident or employer identification number once again, so you can 
file a tax return, draw up an operating agreement. This is the, the details of our day-to-day, -day, um, who's responsible for what. And then usually you will want to establish a business checking account. Um, there is a big choice here, which we're going to talk about at the end, which is how do you want to be taxed? Now, you can be taxed as either a partnership or an S-Corp. You might have heard about S-Corps, but um, you can be taxed as either one. If your tax is a partnership, then um, the gist of that means you're going to uh, have all the income be passed through income. Meaning if you and I own Lawn Wranglers 50-50 and we make $50,000, then and that's all profit, then half of it is going to show up on each of our tax returns as income. It's not all profit. I mean, who's got, who's going to buy the strimming, the strimming line. That's what we, that's what we call weed whackers in England, the strimmer. Who's going to buy the strimming line. Who's paying for new spark plugs for all of these lawnmowers. I am. No. And so it's not all profit. Pal. We don't do that though. The lawn wranglers is a, landscaping company that just mows your lawn and sells t-shirts with the rest of our so oh. anyways like i said steven i said fifty thousand dollars of profit not fifty thousand dollars of revenue a oh, revenue okay i'm sorry okay well, yeah, I, i've decided that the lawn wranglers is in fact going to be an llc okay but are you going to be taxed as a partnership that no. means all the income gets passed through i am not going to dive super deep into this but that gets passed through just as distributions to, well, it gets passed through as pass-through income to the owners of the LLC. The owners. And you have to pay self-employment tax on the, those, um, those monies that get sent to you. The self-employment tax rate is 15.3%. And the rate that that's the sum of a 12.4% social security tax and 2.9% for Medicare. There's a cap on how much you get taxed self-employment tax on, but um, that applies to net earnings or profit. And you probably have to pay those taxes throughout the year. So if you make a ton of money in your LLC and you don't make estimated payments, you might owe a penalty to the IRS at the end of the year. Um, now, when you get paid, let's say you just have a job and you work for an employer, you might have looked at your pay stub and they take out taxes for Medicare uh, and Social Security. And it's half of the self-employment tax rate that you pay and the employer pays the other half. Um, so that's important to keep in mind. If you go with the S-Corp election, then you have a few uh, new possibilities with how you distribute money from your business. You generally will need to pay yourself or anyone who works in the business. Uh, it doesn't have to be you if you don't work in the business, but you'll pay salaries to the people who work in the business. Um, and on those salaries, the employee will pay 50% of that self-employment tax and the business will pay the other half. Uh, so that would mean uh, it's basically the same if you had an LLC and you, you, let's go back to our example. If we decided at the Lawn Wranglers to pay ourselves each a $25,000 salary, now we are basically in the same spot that we were, whether we went with the partnership tax election or the S-Corp tax election, because we're getting that 15.3% tax either through payroll taxes or through self-employment tax, because we're paying both halves since we own the business.
Now, if you, um, let's say, let's, let's say we made $200,000 of profit next year. The, now you're talking. Yeah. The Abraham's wallet crowd all wanted a lawn wranglers t-shirt. Um, which I do think we should make, but it's a separate, separate podcast. Um, <laughs> now, if we pay, the IRS is going to say, for this job that you do, if you guys are t-shirt vendors, then you need to pay yourself a reasonable salary. And we go and research and say, a reasonable salary for this job is $40,000 each. So we each pay ourselves $40,000 a year. We pay that, that payroll tax on that salary. Half of it comes from us and half of it comes from the company, but it adds up to the 15.3%. However, now we can distribute the rest of our profit, the remaining $120,000, without paying self-employment tax on it. So this can save a bundle of money for somebody who is running a business where if that was an LLC tax as a partnership, uh, all of it would be subject to self-employment tax. That's what we're doing. We're doing S Corp. Yep. So for a lot of people, S Corp is the right move. Um, what is uh, what is it? Um, it's still an LLC, but it's choosing to be taxed as an S Corp. Uh, business entity number four. This is a corporation. And this is where it gets confusing because an S Corp you'll hear people talk about that. That is not a business entity type. That is a tax election. A corporation also has choices. So a corporation can choose to be an S corp or a C corp. Uh, and what is an S corp? If you choose to be an S corp, um, remember an LLC could have unlimited members An a uh, corporation uh, that chooses to be an S-Corp is got the same limited liability. So you've got liability protection. You can have up to 100 shareholders. The income is pass-through income. Uh, you're going to pay salaries. You can only have one class of stock. So you can't have preferred stock and common stock, things like that. Um, and you can have no businesses as investors. So that is different from uh, an LLC tax as an S-Corp. Um, so this is, this is commonly used if you want a corporation, but you don't want to deal with the, some of the negatives of, uh, of the C corp that we're going to talk about. Um, and, and can I, I'm trying to dial into my securities license training. It, it can only a corporation issue stock and have shareholders. Is that the. One right. Of the unique so things. if you want to have up to a hundred shareholders, S corp, if okay. you want unlimited members, LLC partnership, if you want unlimited shareholders, um, that actually have stock and could even have different kinds of stock C corp. Um, so LLCs and S corps are two terms that often get discussed side by side but they refer to different aspects of a business. The LLC is the entity, the S-Corp is tax election. Um, C-Corp is the other type of corporation. Here you have limited liability, unlimited shareholders, double taxation. This is the big one. And you can have different classes of stock. So the, the pros, why would you start a C-Corp? Well, if you're 
spinning up a high tech startup and you're going to go out and get big investment dollars. Investors love C corps because they're very straightforward to um, issue new new classes of stock for um, good setups for that type of deal. The cons are double taxation. So at the end of the year, the C corp files a tax return and pays taxes on its earnings. And then it can distribute money to individuals, shareholders, and they are going to pay taxes on that distribution as well. So it's called double taxation. This is where we get out of the, the world of what we called pass-through income. Uh, so this is usually not the, the option for most small businesses. Um, complexity is the other big con of a C-Corp. Owning and running a corporation in a legally compliant way is not a do-it-yourself project generally. Mm. So there we go. We've gotten through all of the major for-profit business types. Um, the one question I think I get more than any others from people who aren't setting up a business entity to be their main source of income, their job, is, hey, I'm interested in rental properties. Should I hold my rental real estate inside of a business entity like an LLC? And my answer is, well, it depends. For larger properties, like an apartment complex, I think the liability protection is pretty critical. So I would say yes. Um, for one or two single family homes, personally, I always would say, go talk to your lawyer about this. Uh, we, don't give, we don't give financial advice that's uh, tailored to you on the Abraham's Walt podcast. But my personal opinion is that it's usually not necessary. There's other ways to protect yourself from liability in that setting. We've talked a lot about umbrella insurance policies that are cheap ways to get lots of liability coverage uh, should you get sued uh, for something. Um, and generally, I don't like to buy real estate that I'm super leveraged on and might the whole house of cards might tumble and my personal assets will be at risk. I like to buy mm. real estate that I can afford even if things don't go as planned with my renters. So... Um, a couple other reasons not to hold real estate inside of an LLC. Lenders might not finance the property um, or they might charge higher rates if it's held in an LLC. Um, it's usually cheaper to just boost your, your liability insurance than to go to the hassle of maintaining LLCs for, for each property. And if you're going to do it, that's the way to do it is you have a separate entity for each property that you own so that when this one falls apart, it doesn't affect all the other properties that you hold. Um, and each LLC has to file a tax return um, unless it's a single member LLC. So there's some, there's some hassle to, to maintaining those that I don't really like. Um, and this is kind of the last thing I'll say is if you are the owner of a property and you do something to create a negligent injury, you're going to get sued personally, not your LLC that owns you know, Steve's Rental Homes LLC. So if you skimped on engineering or let's say you hired a bad electrician and he came in and wired the house poorly and it burned down and hurt some people, um, the electrician is going to be sued. And so are you, um, the owner who did, made the decision to hire that electrician. So umbrella insurance protects you in that case. 
uh, your LLC doesn't. And there's probably lawyers that would argue with me that they could set it up so that they felt like you were safe there. But I don't think it's total slam dunk that you're safe just because you have an LLC. Um, All right. There's one more that I, you've been a bit of a church mouse during this podcast, but there's one more that I'm hoping you can kind of talk through. And we even had a request over on the Volley channel um, to, to kind of discuss, hey, you guys just announced that Abraham's wallet is none of those things. It's a... None of them. It's a 501c3 nonprofit. So can you talk a little yeah. bit about what a 501c3 is and why we might choose that type for what we're doing here? Um, oh, sure I can, Mark. Thank you. Sure. Well, uh, a nonprofit organization, that's a 501c3. So the it, it is a kind of... I, I it. Somehow it has a relationship to a corporation. It's seen as a corporation somehow, but it's not, but it's not a profit-making organization. So a nonprofit is one that qualifies for a tax-exempt status by the IRS. That that is, no taxes are collected from this entity because the uh, the government has has approved of it as that. Its mission and purpose are to further a social or spiritual cause and provide a public benefit as opposed to a for-profit good or service. If you want to go to Starbucks and buy a coffee, it doesn't make the world a better place. It just gives you a good cup of coffee. So a church or an orphanage or hopefully a school would be something that uh, just it just it's just a social benefit. It makes the world a better place. So charities often uh, file as 501c3s because they're like, our bottom line, the most important thing for us isn't being profitable. It's doing the thing that we believe in doing, even if it doesn't make as much money or might make no money. Um, so we, to answer the question that you, I could go on about 501c3s, um, they they include hospitals, universities, uh, national charities, foundations, ministries. All, all of those things uh, can be five hundred one c threes. We chose that route because um, my feeling was one. <laughs> I know that not everybody experiences this because you're clicking a couple of buttons and listening to a, uh, an audio file, but. When what you and I enjoy doing is actually touching, like touching people's lives. I feel like this is kind of, this kind of sends out feelers into the ether. People hear this stuff. They, and when they reach out and connect with us, I feel like, well, that's when, okay, that's when we're doing kind of doing our thing. Um, which is, I see it as ministry, um, trying to help dads. Let's build your home in a way that sets you up for, um, the pleasure of God and, and, and the strength of your family. So one, I feel that what we do is ultimately should be a ministry. And I feel it should be judged that way when we get together as owners of this thing and put our heads together with our board. We're not looking, the, the, the bottom line isn't, are we making money? <laughs> That's obviously that is not the bottom line of what we're doing here at Age Wallet. The bottom line is, do we feel like one, we're pleasing the Lord and, and, executing the calling that he that we feel he's given us to do this thing 
So it's a different set of uh, it's a different set of of of, of, of principles. It's a different set of metrics. Um, the other the other reason I would say, if people are just curious about why we went five hundred one c three, is because the number one thing that we provide to the most people is a podcast. And uh, if you want to collect money to make that thing happen. There's one of a couple of ways to do that. One is simply charge for the podcast. That would that would solve that problem. Charge for the podcast, and then you're collecting money. And I don't want our podcast to be a product that we charge people for. I want it to be free and protected. So um, if we if we shelter ourselves underneath a 501c3 charity status then we can continue to give this thing away. Those who want to donate to us, thank you very much. Uh, you can do that and we'll use that to make this thing better. But I never wanted the podcast itself to be a product that we had to sell for profit. So that's a that's a long answer to that question. And um Yeah, you you've got the you've got the artist and the pastor's answer to that. You wanna and and I agree with everything you said. I'll give you a couple more things. <laughs> the you'll give the technical. I'll give answer. you the financial planner's thoughts on this. That's now. fine. That's fine. Um, one of the the big reasons why this status made sense for us is that we do charge people money to give them direct and highly personalized financial advice over at the for profit business that we run, which is a True. financial advising firm, um, and. It's important to us to keep a separation between those two worlds. We we love to give you principles here at Abraham's Wallet, but if you called us up and said, "Hey, can you can you look at my portfolio and tell me which stocks to sell and how to trade this for optimum advantage?" We would say, "We can if you become a client of our business right. where the product Abraham's we, Wallet cannot and will not do that." Yeah, because the product we offer over there is financial advice that's highly personalized um, and deeply kind of tailored to you and your family's unique vision. Um, yeah. So that's one of the things is it gets us into all sorts of land that we're not uh, interested in treading on to kind of mix the world of uh, paying for advice with the world of doing ministry. Um and then the other thing is, this is personal for me, but I think of our listeners as being a lot like me because they care what we have to say. So I think we, every time we get together with our listeners, we think these people are amazing. So they're probably a lot like us True. in many ways. Um, yep. And I wanted to give money to further the goals of what we were doing here at Abraham's Wallet. And I thought, if the government says we will not charge you taxes on money that you give, then why wouldn't we take them up on that offer? So right. whether that's 10 bucks a month or five bucks a month, or you rip off a check big enough to buy a new F-150, like the, the tax benefit is legit. And, um, you know, we were talking this morning, we we're even set up to, to use the strategy of, giving appreciated assets that we we talked about so there's there's some some very simple ways to right. do that and then there's some ways that you can actually when you're giving money whether it's to us or to any 501c3 
Um, we'll do a whole future episode on this if we haven't, but you shouldn't generally just write huge checks to charities. You should double up on your tax punch by um, giving appreciated assets if you've got them to give. So um, we wanted to have access to all those cool strategies that would help not only our families, but also the families of listeners who, you know, can get a little, little break from uncle Sam. I hear questions sometimes like, well, we have a house church. Should we be a, a church? Should we start a nonprofit Good. for our church? Um, and the answer is not as straightforward. I, I, I've, I've run into people who've gotten really bad advice there and then gotten bit in the behind by a surprise IRS audit. Um, mm. So there's definitely some treachery, but why don't you just talk about how you did it in a way that was shockingly uh, fast and painless compared to what I've heard from others. Yeah, I I want to give a little shout out to uh, an organization that we used. Um, here, you have to do a number of things to to apply, and the and the word is apply for five hundred one c three status because you are you are making a case to the government. Well, no, we're we we. No, we, we, we're, we would be a public service. It would be good if we existed and you shouldn't tax us. So you, what you do is you, you file articles of incorporation with your, with your state's uh, corporations filing office. You submit a 5013 tax exemption application to the IRS. In there, there has to be, um, you have to have your filed articles uh, with your application there. Then you complete this IRS package that you can find online. It's quite detailed, and it includes your declaring your nonprofit's mission, the people that are key to its creation. Um, you have to just you just have to tell them everything up front, and they they want to know well what what goods and services will you provide? Who will provide them? Who's going to be the contact? They they want to know who your board is going to be. So that's, that is a, a unique thing to 501 C three, as far as, as far as I know, which is you have to um, elect a, a, a board of directors who are going to make the policy and financial decisions for the nonprofit. You actually have to hold a board meeting before it really exists as a 501 C three where you adopt bylaws and the bylaws are the internal governing rules that contain the procedures for everything from the way that the meetings are going to work to the way that you will elect officers and how the money will run it. They want to see that it's not like Joe's church where you're just going to collect a bunch of money. Then Joe gets to buy himself a new Raptor, the hot, awesome truck with the money's collected. No, no, it's not just Joe. Joe could be an important part of it, but there's a board of people. We all have the same mission. They're all executing on that mission. So they want to see that. Um, in some states, you have to apply for the state tax exemption as well. Um, and, and in a lot of states, you have to already have your IRS exemption, the, that EIN number that you give to the state over. Anyways, all of the, and then there, you got to have permits and the whole thing. So there's a lot to do to apply for a 501c3 and it can take months and months and months and it uh it can be anywhere from I think about 1000 to maybe $3000 just to just to do all the things. We 
I didn't find it. One of my, one of my gray beard mentors named Larry told me that he has a 501c3 that he, where he uh, does inner city work. Awesome. In in Cincinnati. And I was going to him, like, talk to me how to do it. He's like, all you need is this organization called CorpNet. CorpNet. And that sounds like the dumbest fake organization out of an 80s movie where the bad guys work at CorpNet. But that's the name of this outfit, CorpNet. And their whole deal is helping people set up stuff. And they make this whole process of all of everything I just talked you through. They will stay on you. If you missed step six of 87 steps, they'll say, you got to get us that step six. And they just do it all for you. They file with the government. They'll file with your state. They ask you all the questions that are going to be asked. They send it back to you. Hey, you got approved. And they, they really turn it around very quickly. I think it was 1500 bucks start to finish. And they were great. So, so I had used them when we set up a ministry school in the past and we used them to set up Abe's wallet and they're great. So there you go. Awesome. Well, that's it. And yeah. once you get that, you can make bumper stickers and potholders and you're off to the races. Is that, is that what the merch is going to be? I hope, you know, someday could we make a potholder with the Abe's wallet? Uh, no. Maybe someday we'll have drill bits and inscribed in the side is Abe's wallet. That'd be pretty sweet. We did have uh, one of our faithful volleyers um, come up with, he was dropping just some some classic Abe's wallet references in the channel today. And yes. he, he said, you remember that time that you talked about Abraham taking a chainsaw to the tree of something? And I just yeah. have always, ever since then, wanted a a piece of merch with Abraham wielding a chainsaw. And you and I both thought that was pretty, pretty awesome. That's pretty attractive. Yeah. I I, I would wear that t-shirt. Yeah. I've also been thinking a great piece of merch would be a pickleball paddle that said, get out of here. Abe's wallet. Incredible. No. No. Okay. I think, uh, you know, a new ping G four twenty five driver, uh, that said Abe's wallet on the top because that's the sport I like to do that costs money. Nerdy. That would be good and nerdy. Yeah. Well, thank you for walking us through the exciting world of business entities where we have answered questions and inspired people to set up business entities. Yeah. Hopefully thank you, Mark. next time you're picking a business entity or you hear of someone picking a business entity, you'll say, wait, don't Hold do it. Hold on a second. I've got a podcast. Let me share it with you real quick. And then they'll become an Abraham's Walt listener and our mission will be achieved in the world, which is to grow. What if you put your arm around a friend who was creating a company and said, now it sounds like you're walking right into unlimited liability. I don't think that's what you want, my friend. And then you would be like a hero. You'd seem like a genius. That would be amazing. All right. Thank you, Mark. See you around. Hasta luego.